and welcome. It's Brent and David this week, August 27th, another month almost. Brent, the big story I want to talk about this week is our article on gasoline consumption. I pulled the graph up here. Interesting week for gasoline consumption. We've been following this in the Ag Forecast Network. We've had two questions. One of them is, will the weekly implied gasoline consumption get over 9 million barrels per day? The second one being, will it get over 10 million? The 9 million would be a return to something close to normal. 10 million would be this pent up demand story. It would be well above anything we've seen over the last five years. After stalling out for the pretty much all summer, eight and a half, 8.6 million barrels, we broke through 9 million barrels last week. So we resolved that forecast network question. You can check your scores. I guess this is a positive story for the economy, especially if we sustain it for the next few weeks, somewhere around this 9 million barrels story. Yeah, David, I think uh, you told me uh, a while ago that this chart kind of <laughs> pretty much symbolizes what happened to the economy, doesn't it? Huge drop off, fallen by not quite half initially, then a little bit of a recovery and then a little more gradual recovery. I think it caught a, lot, a few people by surprise that we went that high on gasoline implied consumption, but uh, I think a good sign for the overall economy, huh? I was surprised how slow the recovery here has been. I thought we'd get back to 9 million barrels a lot sooner. So I guess it was, it surprised me two ways, right? I was surprised it didn't get there faster and I'm surprised it got there here in August. I thought we'd sort of hit a plateau at somewhere below nine. To your point, there's a lot of graphs in here. Well, in terms of agriculture though, so what? I guess give us the so what. Why I like this chart is it's the U.S. economy, it's economic activity, but it also gives us an idea of what's going on with the ethanol uncertainty right. and the usage of corn uncertainty. It doesn't matter what the price of ethanol is at this point. It probably does in the long run, but it's how much ethanol is being blended with gasoline. And when we consume less gasoline, there's less ethanol to be blended. And when there's less ethanol being blended, there's less corn being needed. And so, you know, we hit 54% of the five-year average for the first few weeks. And that was really scary. And that's when got ethanol plants started to shut down. Now we're at 94% of the five-year average, which is starting to get back in the ballpark. I think we can say we're we're back into a normal range. You can debate if it's there yet, but it's able to have that conversation. So and when you step back and look at the broader picture for ethanol and corn, right now, if we just look year to date, gasoline consumption is about 86, 87% of the year before. And we just don't see a lot of data. You know, even in the last economic slowdown, gasoline consumption was 97, 98, 96% of the year before. So falling below 95%, all the way to 85% to date is a really big departure. And in fact, right now we've averaged about 8 million barrels per day for the year. This will likely increase but we haven't been to these levels in a long time. In fact, we saw a big slide in gasoline during the last recession. It got as low as 8.8 .8 million barrels. And so we're probably going to be at levels for 2020 lower than we were back in 2011 and 2012. It's just been a really big hiccup. And Brent, I'm curious to hear your ideas here. Early on, we were expecting the V-shaped recovery. I think the first graph takes some of that off the table. And we were assuming or hoping that there wouldn't be impacts for the 2020-2021 growing season and marketing year, I guess the 2020-2021 marketing year for corn, but I think it's going to linger. I think we're going to see this lag quite a bit still. Well, I think when you take that big chunk out, you've got some work to do to, to make up for, you know, that big chunk of lost demand. In fact, I gave a presentation yesterday. One of the key things I highlighted with the group was I said, everybody likes to talk about the supply side, and I do too, 
But on the demand side, the biggest reason we have weak corn prices is ethanol. And the fact that ethanol demand has shrunk so much in the last few years. And and I didn't realize it until you put that chart together that you, you know, I used that chart you made on corn usage. And I encourage everybody to go back and look at that. You know, the fact that ethanol demand is so weak relative to what it could be or should be with the uh, RFS is the story in the corn on the corn demand side. Because other things are actually, I mean, the trade deal we knew was not good. It was pretty obvious, but the ethanol thing had a way of sneaking up on us. So I think that was that was one of the things I highlighted is, you know, we really need to get that ethanol thing moving a little bit. Yeah, it's uh, this this chart. So seven, that's 800 million bushels, right, of demand we've lost from ethanol since 1718. Gain back, you know, this year in theory, 350 of it. We're still in a big hole. And the hole you didn't know. start with F- with COVID. The hole started no, right. a long time beforehand. And so we're not just going to magically wave the wand and get this fixed. With And now I even think the COVID recovery is, has a more uncertainty than we had a few months ago. I think it's going to linger a lot more than what we might have initially I think a big part of it is these refinery exemptions that I don't, un- frankly, don't understand as well as they should. The RFS is not being implemented the way it was intended from what I can see. That is a, a huge problem on the corn usage side. And that's so, what I kind of highlighted to the group was, you know, there's a big portion of the story. I think the export side, there's some good signs there. The Chinese numbers are actually improving. There's some room for optimism. Encourage everyone to go check their scores. I was pretty optimistic about this 9 million barrel question. It got resolved. My score was an 83 percentile rank, uh, 83rd percentile. I did pretty well. One of us, uh, the other one hmm. of us in this audio did not do very well. I won't, I don't want to, I'm not going to out him as my... <laughs> one of the lowest scores in the network because what's going to happen is next week or so, this companion question the probability of getting over 10 million barrels, it's going to get resolved. And Brent's going to take the average of the 9 million barrel and the 10 million barrel question. And I'm I'm not going to do too well in the 10 million barrel. I was very optimistic about the idea of pent-up demand. It's going to take one quick second and remind everyone, this is why we do these questions. Sometimes you win, sometimes you win, but it's always learning. And so here's something that is very important to the economy, the ag economy, corn and we've been following it along with it you've been challenging your thinking and and sharing your ideas and and we've learned a lot along the way i think that's the the fun part about this that's i think the key is to try and reflect a little bit as to why did well or didn't do so well in my case so a couple other articles we're not going to jump into them too much Check out Jeff's latest video on the 2020 yield model project. Um, he's been dropping the corn and soybean yields based on conditions. It caused me to change my forecasts for above trend, below trend yields for corn and soybeans. I was um, a, a month ago, I was raising my forecasts. I'm not going to show them today, but now I'm pulling them lower. I think there's a lot of questions about the corn crop. Of course, I guess the thing I want to note, some of it's the storm in Iowa, some of it's 
the dry weather here in August. And a lot of it is just the unknowns and the airs we have this time of the year. So there are a lot of moving parts to that. Your post a little while ago about the size of those errors made me think a little bit as to whether maybe I was a little too aggressive as well. I mean, I've had, you know, I think the consensus right now is somewhere around it's gonna make me show my score 80 no you don't have to show yours like i'm looking at mine it's it's about 85 percent or just for the consensus is 74 percent right now above trend which is 177 bushels and i am at uh 70 70 percent so still pretty good chance in my forecast that we're going to be at least about trend I'm at 53%. Yeah, so you're uh, a lot more conservative than I am on that. Because, I mean, my feeling on it is that, is is just that corn yields, and and that's why your post challenged me a little bit, because my feeling has always been that corn yields were pretty much determined by this point. Your post would suggest that maybe that's not, there's there's maybe more errors left than I would have guessed. I think there's a big difference between the corn crop being made and we, us, the collective intellect of everyone knowing enough about the corn crop to make a forecast, right? So the corn crop might be made, but we're still learning more about the crop to make a better forecast. Interesting though, to keep a tra- I mean, the market clearly this week has rallied a lot, uh, corn and soybeans. Keep an eye on that as well. It's kind of interesting, right? Because we're getting back to the levels we saw during the summer rally uh, when we had concerns about dryness and all that. So it's sort of interesting to see this fall or this August, late August rally coming into place. I guess I heard a quote the other day and we're going to share it. The quote is, less certainty, more inquiry. And I think that was how I lowered my forecast on the corn side because I looked at the errors. I'm like, whoa, I need to be less certain and I need to, you know, leave open some inquiry and so the article was my challenge to learn more about the airs and we just have less certainty this time of the year than what i would have assumed so brent any uh other any highlights from your meeting with producers this week it was good to actually be back uh in front of a group i enjoyed it and had a lot of good questions a lot of questions about the election and the what the implications of the election might be so that was interesting and i i would encourage you, you know, we have it in the just for fun category but we do have a question about the presidential election. And, and uh, I, I will say I'm below consensus on that right now, on the odds that Trump is reelected. And that's not a political, so I'm not telling you who I'm voting for or anything like that. I'm just trying to forecast it. I mean, the group there was very surprised that the consent, because I think the consensus is right at 50%. I think the group there was surprised that it was that low. So interesting but I, I just encourage you to think think about farm policy and how it might change and you know be prepared the thing i talked with the group a lot about was the idea of that ooda loop observe the situation orient yourself make some decisions and act on those decisions and I think that's just a super useful framework because as i've told you guys before i get stuck in the observe and orienting framework sometimes and really trying to push myself to you know, make decisions after you, after you find that and you don't have to make permanent decisions but you know make make decisions or get things in place right of course the ooda loop we have an article about that and ideas that make us better I encourage you to read that i get stuck on the deciding versus acting i usually decide on something but then i've wore myself out and i just sort of like fold up for the day and then i just 
don't go back to look at it and ever pull the trigger. Um, so it's kind of funny how Brent and I, we all have to use the OODA loop to navigate. And it's important to recognize we all have different processes in the OODA loop cycle. Right. So. And, it, and it's just interesting too, because somebody came up to me afterwards and said, well, I, I do the deciding and acting really well, but I don't do the, the other parts very well which is, is interesting too, right? And yeah. so that's, I, I think that framework's pretty useful. So update your forecast, especially on the, the re-election. We're going to add a question about, will the Republicans maintain control of the Senate or the flip side of the coin, will the Democrats win control of the Senate? I think that's going to have a big part of the policy uncertainty arena as yeah. well. The backdrop for all this is all the ad hoc farm assistance, the direct payments that we've been seeing. And so that is really holding things together when it comes to cash rental rates or the budgets or um, farm loan performance. So a lot of things up in the air. Thanks for joining us. We're going to sign off for this week and we'll catch you next week. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you.